You are Locked On Razorbacks, your daily podcast on the Arkansas Razorbacks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome into the Locked On Razorbacks podcast. I am your host, John Neighbors. I am also the host of Out of Bounds. You can catch every weekday afternoon from 1 to 4 on 1037 The Buzz and 1037thebuzz.com. It is good to be back in the great state of Arkansas after a long, long time up in Indianapolis. It was so worth it, though. And uh, now I get to be back in my home studio and get to try to get back in the routine of things, which is not easy, uh, all things considered, but still uh, pretty pretty crazy that I got to go up there and do that. Like, it was what a dream come true. Such a cool experience, and I uh, wish I would have stayed another week, but it's the way it goes. As uh, Arkansas fell short against Baylor, and they have their season end in the Elite Eight. Now, I have Aaron Torres coming on later in the show and later in the podcast, I should say, to talk more about Arkansas and about uh, some of the news going on with Musselman and the transfer portal and all that. But I wanted to use this time to kind of reflect on uh, the season in general and uh, what what it meant to not only to me, but to to Razorback fans across the country. Um, It's kind of hard to put into words. I haven't been going to Razorback sporting events as long as maybe some of you who are listening to this podcast. I mean, I'm only, uh, you know, 32 years old. I, I haven't been at every great sporting event, although I've been to most of the major ones, at least here in the recent memory and recent history. But what I got to experience in Indianapolis while Arkansas was in the NCAA tournament is an excitement and a passion and an energy like I never have before whether covering the Razorbacks or being a fan of the Razorbacks or whatever, I have never in my life experienced anything like that. I was always one that was hopeful for things, great things to come. I was hopeful for Eric Musselman to be able to be the guy that takes it to the next level, but I would have never dreamed it would have happened in year two. And it wasn't just like Arkansas just got lucky in their matchups and lucky in, in who they played or anything like that. You can you'd argue that, but they were great all season long. They were the second best team in the SEC and made it to not only to the Sweet 16, but to the Elite Eight and something they haven't done since 1995. It was, it was surreal. And seeing just how many people across the state, not only there in Indianapolis, but across the state, hopped on board with this team and were so invested in everything going on with this team and just watching games, having watch parties, going to Bud Walton Arena to watch the game and Dixon Street being the way it was, I I, I just couldn't believe it. It felt almost like you had arrived as a program. You had arrived as a fan base. You had finally gotten to a point in a major sport to where it wasn't just, oh, well, that's nice. That's a cute team you have over there. Oh, you guys did okay. That's fine. No, this was something that you felt like you had a legitimate shot at making it to the Final Four, even to the national championship game, which I think you did. Now, you ran into a team in Baylor that was just better. I, I think that's the the best way to say it. It was just better. But either way, you had a great run. And I think that this is something that might have been the might have been the best gift, or at least the most needed gift, of any sort in Razorback fandom history on what Razorback fans went through for so many years and some of the major sports to now. 
Like somebody was telling me about how they felt this way, similar to when Arkansas made that 2018 College World Series run. And you know what? That was awesome. And I am not taking anything away from what that team did that year and the, the excitement surrounding it. That, to me, doesn't come close to what you had when Arkansas made the Elite Eight. It just doesn't. You had it on national television. Like, you had Jim Nance calling your game. You had all eyes on you. You had a game like basketball, which is so popular and so respected and loved in this state. You had all these things going for you. And all those things that happened at the same time made you appreciate it just that much more. Arkansas fans needed this. They needed this feeling. A feeling of not only being competitive in a sport you care about, but getting the respect you feel you deserve. Now, some people didn't respect you. Some people didn't respect the team. Some people picked against you, and that's fine. That's what's going to happen. But the fact that it was no longer a hope, it was no longer a you just watch, it was no longer, oh, well, there's always next year, just wait. It happened. It happened. You did something that you haven't done in a long time, and it actually happened. It's such a great feeling to be able to look upon that and to actually you be the one that can talk some trash. Kentucky fan comes up to you, point to that Elite Eight appearance. Hey, you didn't. We, we were there. You guys weren't even in the tournament. Some Bama basketball fans come up to you and be like, oh, yeah, SEC champs. Oh, yeah, well, it's nice of you guys losing the Sweet 16. We at least went to the Elite Eight. You know, it's like seeing those things happen in the in the way that they happened was just, it was awesome. And now you have some confidence. You have reasons to be cocky and you have reasons to be able to talk some trash towards other programs. And maybe some of you don't look at it in that regard. Maybe some of you don't care about that that much, but I do. It means something to me. You're no longer an embarrassment. You have something to hold your hat on. You have a coach that people desperately would love to have as their head coach of their program. You got a team that was really fun to watch and never gave up. Even though other teams were more talented, more experienced, they fought, man. They fought as hard as humanly possible. All these things have reasons for you to believe that you'll be back in the mix, maybe even next year. But this is just the beginning, folks. Arkansas basketball is going to become a powerhouse once again. Not because I'm telling you. But it's because it's happening. It's happening right now. Enjoy the ride. Start elevating those expectations. Start your season ticket right now. Bud Walton Arena is going to be the place to go. It's going to be the hottest ticket in town. It's going to be the greatest event you can watch in all of sports in the entire state. Get ready to hop aboard the must bus if you're not on it already, folks, because it is a leaving in a hurry. And it's going to be something that's very exciting for many, many, many years to come, as long as Eric Musselman is still your head coach. We've been telling you about Built Bar and the best-tasting protein bar in the market now. Built Bar is a low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, amazing protein bar that has 100% chocolate on all bars. And now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best. It's Built Bar Madness. So go and check out today's matchup on BuiltBar.com or bar underscore built on Twitter. And remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That is LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. And check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best-tasting protein bar at BuiltBar.com. 
your Locked On Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. All right, there's a lot of things going on with Razorback basketball. Desi still is transferring out, which uh, I know we didn't talk much in depth about, but we may have to dive into that even more tomorrow on the podcast because I have some thoughts and opinions. But just for time uh, sake and time purposes, there's a lot more to get into, and there's no better person to talk about it, not only with Razorback basketball, but the Final Four and the transfer portal and just how crazy it is. Then go ahead and welcome in Aaron Torres of FoxSports.com and also Fox Sports Radio. What's going on, Aaron, man? How you been enjoying the Final Four so far? Yeah, first of all, John, let me jump in on the point you, you led the segment with. Um, I think we're officially in that world now where, where you know, my editors and the people that I work for and, you know, even my podcast is, you know, we get set to hit the offseason here. It's going to be a lot of transfer talk. And, and who are the players that can make an impact next year? Who are the guys, um, you know, that may be testing the draft waters that could come back? Like, this is now a thing. Um, you know, and it's funny to me because I saw a couple kind of national college basketball writers complaining about this. And, and to me, it's the equivalent of, could you ever imagine Woj or Shams complaining about NBA free agency? Like the interest is off the charts, um, fair or not. I'm not a fan, but you know, it's the world that we live in. It's not going anywhere. And so, you know, the transfer stuff is fascinating to me, but you're right. We are going to start covering it now, frankly, like probably NBA or NFL free agency, Final four, we can get to in a minute. And if you want to, if you want me to jump back in on that point, I can. But I thought it was such a great point by you to lead the show. What, what's, been the, what's been the major complaint that you've heard about it? Because this is kind of the times that we're in, and you want to see more from the players as far as the freedoms and and uh, just creating opportunities and options for the players. So, what's been the major complaint? Well, Joe, you know, it, it, I think that's what cracks me up about it is uh, all these same writers that had complained for years, oh, these poor college kids, they have it so tough. Life is so terrible. It's like basically if you can just go get go to class and get C's and pass, like your life's actually pretty good as a major college athlete. And so I've never bought that, but it, it's those guys that there's too many guys. What are they doing? Um, you know, and I think the difference this year, and I will say like there are a couple legitimate reasons why, but, I mean, you have guys that are literally – it used to be, you know, like, okay, you're the eighth guy on the bench. You're not going to play. Uh, there's a starter at your position in your class. You know you're not going to get on the court. Like, it makes sense. But I think the thing this year that I think has been, you know, shocking to people is that, you know, you have guys on good teams, NCAA tournament teams, starters, you know, getting the most shots, getting the most points, whatever, that are just going in the portal. And some of them, I, you know, I don't even think they have the intent to stay in – and what kids are now doing, knowing that the one-time transfer rule is potentially looming, kids are now just kind of just putting their name in the portal just to kind of see what else is out there. It's like John Neighbors on a Friday night, you know, he's got a girlfriend at home, and he's just going to swing by Dickinson just to kind of see what's out there, you know? Like, you can't do that, John Neighbors. You can't do that, you know? And it, but, but it's really happening. I'll give you a real-world example that, you know, you guys will, I don't want to say appreciate, but I was just reading, you know, Mike Anderson at St. John's, They've had six players enter the portal since the season ended. You know, a couple of them are those typical under-the-bench guys, but there are two that literally said, you know, we're entering the portal to see what's out there, and we'll kind of keep our option of coming to St. John's open. And so I don't think it's good for the sport. Um, you know, I, and again, there are more factors as to why the numbers are so high. Having an extra year of eligibility um, is a huge reason why the numbers are up. But I also think, you know, people are just – I think the people that cover this sport are kind of like, you know, it's one thing if it's the eighth ninth guy on the bench, but when you have guys that are starters on NCAA tournament team contributors and they're still not happy with the situation or they're at least looking to see what else is out there, 
this thing has definitely changed a lot here over the last even just year or two from where it was. Aaron, getting more in-depth with that, what is going on at Florida? You mentioned St. John's and kind of some of the movement there. Yeah, what's going on at Florida? Well, it's really, you know, honestly, Joe, been been a two-, three-year thing. I mean, last year, uh, Andrew Nemhard, perfect example of what I was talking about. Now, credit to him, he found a great school that worked for him, but he's a starter at Florida, and I forget all the details now, but I think he led him in shot attempts and minutes played, or, you know, he was second in minutes, first in shots, second in shots, first in minutes, whatever it was. He decides to leave. That was kind of a head-scratcher. And then, you know, this year, Noah Locke, same deal, has decided to enter the portal. Two, three other guys have decided to transfer. And then on top of that, you have Trey Mann leaving. It's one, I'll be honest, I don't, I don't have a great deal for it, to be perfectly honest. But um, there is clearly something going on there, whether, you know, promises are made and, and they're not kept, whether it's how the program's being run. I really don't even want to speculate because it's one that I, I just don't have a great deal for. But, I'm with you, Joe. It's one that's jumped out to me. You know, and I find, I'll tell you this. What I find interesting is there were, you know, five, six players at Wichita State last year that decided to enter the transfer portal. And there were media members that decided to dig into the who, how, why, what was going on at Wichita State. And it frankly resulted in uh, Greg, Greg Marshall losing his job. I'm not comparing Florida to, to Wichita. I'm not saying, you know, uh, uh, Mike White is physically assaulting players. But I'm curious to know if, you know, if we're going to start looking into all these programs uh, that, we, you know, the same way we did to, to Greg Marshall last year, because like I said, you know, three kids left Syracuse yesterday, um, you know, six have left St. John's, as you said, Joe, three, four, five, whatever it, is, whatever it is have left Florida. It's just stunning to see the turnover at some of these places. We'll continue our discussion with Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio here in just a second. But Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. And they even cover award and TV and reality TV shows and reality television with real-time updated odds and props and almost anything you can imagine. Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds, and is the best place to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device today and sign up for your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code locked on at betonline.ag. That's right, promo code locked on to receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit on betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. Being with Aaron Torres of Fox Sports Radio right now on the Cartridge World Hotline here on Out of Bounds. You know, one of the things, too, that Aaron, the, the big news, and I know we kind of texted back and forth about it, speaking of transfers, Desi Sills is leaving Arkansas. Sure. And, you know, that was one that he's been around for three years. And Arkansas fans, I think, were expecting some transfers, but maybe we're a little more surprised by him. But we've talked about this. This seems to be the way that Eric Musselman works. He did this at Nevada where he really utilized transfers, but not only transfers coming in, but transfers going out. It's a It seems like it's something that – He's really bought into and shouldn't be surprised when each and every year, if Arkansas gets poor players in, they're also going to have some players going out because that's just the way it is under Muss. It is. It's really funny. I'll tell you, you know, we, uh, you know, we in the media traditionally do, uh, you know, our preseason top 25 as soon as the final four is done. Um, and, and I'm having real trouble with Arkansas because I'm looking at them and, and I know they're going to have a top 25 roster by the end of the, by the, by the end of the off season. But really, outside Devontae Davis and, and Jalen Williams, like who are you like really confident is going to be back next year? You know, I mean, JD Note was the sixth man. Maybe he's back. Connor Vanover, you know, his minutes kind of fluctuated. Um, you know, but but there, but it's hard to know because this is just the way Coach Must runs his program. And what I'll tell you is, 
I actually think in many ways he was way ahead of the curve on this. I mean, that is how he got Nevada so good so quickly was through the transfer portal. In the year that they made the Sweet 16, they're, they're this crazy, you know, plucky underdog story. Well, they had two guys on their roster who started their careers at, at uh, you know, NC State, one guy that started at Purdue, and I think they had one other high major guy, if I remember correctly. And it's like, this is how this is how this coach operates. And, and, and I do think he was ahead of the curve. I do think it was funny that maybe three, four years ago, he was criticized for doing this. And now you see everybody doing this. I mean, Kentucky picked up a commitment yesterday from a player in the transfer portal out of Davidson. Um, you know, Alabama is, is you know, going to have success. Javon Quinterly, the star player that they had. Gonzaga, I think, is going to be a team to watch because, you know, one, Andrew Nemhart I just referenced, is having success. But two, if you're a high school player or, excuse me, a college player and it didn't work out at your first spot – and Gonzaga is interested in you. How could you not be interested in seeing what they have to offer with the way that they play? And so, um, yes, this is how it's going to be. Um, I would not get too attached to players. Um, you know, there is going to be a lot of roster turnover. I mean, obviously, we've seen it just in two years where, you know, with Desi Stills' departure, we're down to what? Ethan Henderson is a guy that was in the program when Musk got there. Uh, it's going to be the it's going to be the way of the coach Musk era. But I'll also say it's, it's the way of college basketball right now. And I think there's a lot of fans. Again, I don't. I don't think it's for the best. But I, I, you know, I stopped trying to figure out. You know, I stopped complaining about this. You know, a year, two years ago, when it became inevitable that this was going to happen. But you know, the one thing about Coach Musk, and you guys know this by now. You know, everybody in Arkansas knows this. He is a relentless recruiter. He is not going to stop until he believes that he has a team in, that, that he has a team that can put that can put Arkansas, excuse me, in the exact position that they were this year playing for a Final Four, competing at the highest level. Um, you know, th- this is not going to be a, we made an Elite Eight, now let's rest on our laurels and rebuild and do this thing in two, three years from now. It's, we expect, and I, John, I know you were there. I'm sure he probably said it in his post-game press conference. I know that he expects to have this program at that level every year, and it is going to happen in large part thanks to very aggressive recruiting. When you're evaluating a team like Arkansas and looking at the top 25 how quickly do you get into that? You said you're having a, a hard time kind of putting it together right now. Do you wait until a, a champion is crowned, or do you give it some time after that? How quickly do you get into it? Well, usually, yeah, we put it out the day after the championship game, and, and you know, I'm going to put out something. Don't get me wrong. It'll be great, I mean, because, I mean, I did it. But, um, you know, like at the same time, I, I think there's a couple variables this year. One, um, you know, the, the transfer stuff, too. The, the ability for all these seniors to come back for another year. And, and we just don't know across college basketball which seniors are actually going to take that extra year, which ones are going to leave, which ones are going to maybe stay in college basketball but just go to another school. Um, it, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard. And uh, But, yeah, no, I mean, it's something that, that, you know, we in the media do. I know on the football side, you know, all those guys have a 20, uh, top 25 out the second the national championship game is done seems to always be the same top four in football, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and Clemson. For some strange reason, that's how it always seems to be. But uh, in, in basketball, I mean, we're going to do it. But I'm just telling you, you know, it's going to change a lot. It's going to change a lot. And uh, it's going to be fascinating because this transfer stuff, the, the, the confluence of events, the potential one-time transfer rule passing, the extra year of eligibility, the pandemic where guys just maybe – uh, did not, you know, listen, I'll say this. I don't even think Gonzaga or Baylor had nearly as much fun as they normally would. And so I think we're seeing a lot of kids enter the portal now because they were just like, dude, that really sucked. And it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And 
you know, in a normal year, maybe that kid decides, you know, this isn't so bad, stick it out, whatever. Anyway, I'm just bringing all this up to say is that these rosters are going to be crazy with the amount of turnover. Um, and, uh, you know, whatever top 25s you see come Monday night or Tuesday morning or whatever it is, they're going to look a lot different in a couple weeks and certainly in a couple months and certainly by the time we tip off the next season. When we're looking at the Final Four, obviously, has been set. And it's it's great because I saw uh, March Madness put out a tweet that the Sweet 16 games themselves had a higher viewership than any other Sweet 16 since 1993. So, obviously, a lot of people are interested in it, even though it doesn't have all the stereotypical blue bloods that uh, most people were expecting to see. But now you see Gonzaga going to go up against UCLA. you got a team like Houston going up against Baylor. And I correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time in college basketball Final Four history that you've had nothing but teams west of the Mississippi all in the Final Four, too. So just what do you make of these matchups, these games, and how excited are you for the Final Four to get underway, and who do you think wins? By the way, talk about the Arkansas effect. First time since 93, hogs are rolling then, hogs are rolling now, ratings are through the roof. (laughs) There you go. They're changing the the metrics, uh, you know, with CBS, but – no, you know, John, what I would say is, first of all, you know, and, and I know you guys are in a little bit of a bubble. You were so focused on the Hogs. I get the sense from the national perspective that this, this NCAA tournament is kind of on a free roll. And what I mean by that is, you know, I, I think in previous years there would have been complaints about no Duke, no Kentucky, uh, North Carolina losing early. Um, you know, Gonzaga, is it good for the sport that they're undefeated? And I, I, and I just tend to sense that this year everyone is just so happy to have this NCAA tournament. You know, we, we got a Houston-Oregon State Elite Eight game that I know you got to see in person, John. Um, and I think, you know, two years ago it would have been, oh, I can't watch this. This, You know, these two teams, give me a break. Like, Oregon State. And I think people were just like, yeah, like, I'll watch it. Like, I, I it's not going to be, you know, Gonzaga versus Baylor. It's not going to be the prettiest game, but I'll watch it. And so, you know, I, I think this tournament has been awesome. I think it's been a lot of fun to watch. I think it's been a lot of fun to consume. I think people are really into it. I think all the other variables, I mean, I actually think the change in the schedule has helped things. I don't think it'll stay that way. But, you know, I I found people very engaged on a Monday, Tuesday night, maybe in a way that they're not on a Saturday, Sunday afternoon when these games have traditionally been played in the Elite Eight. Um, And so I just think it's a number of different factors. And but, But I'm with you. I think people are excited about the Final Four. I think it's a balance of... You know, we have some kind of brands that we know. It's not Duke, it's not Kentucky, it's not North Carolina, but but we know Gonzaga at this point. We know, um, you know, UCLA, certainly. We know Mick Cronin. There's some NBA prospects with Jalen Suggs. And, you know, Donnie Juzang, I don't know, is a great NBA prospect, but when you score 30 points in an Elite Eight game, you catch America's attention. And so that was really the sentiment that I got coming out of this week, John, is that, you know, I, you know me as somebody who loves college basketball, right, like it, people just love to criticize college basketball, everything that it's not. It's not the NBA. It's not college football. It's not the NFL. And it's like I just don't get. I, I just don't. Um, you know, I just don't get the sense that people are that upset with the teams or the matchups or that some of the games haven't been close. I think it's been awesome, and I do think it's great for college basketball. The most surprising team to make it to the Final Four is UCLA. That's a team that you get to see quite a bit. What can you say yeah. about their run and what they've been able to do? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's a balance, Joe, of like, you know, let, let's not treat them like sisters of the poor here. Like, let's not treat them like, uh, you know, uh, Sister Jean and, uh, you know, Loyola a few years ago or uh, George Mason or whoever. Like, 
they are, first of all, they were, they were picked to win the Pac-12 in the preseason. Um, they were shot away from winning the Pac-12 regular season last year. Um, you know, and they, they, they did hit a lull late in the season. Part of it was injuries, part of it was suspensions, and part of it was, oh, by the way, the Pac-12 was good. You know, I saw some nerd tweet out last night, oh, has any team that lost its last four regular season games ever made the Final Four? And it's like, well, if you just take two seconds and look, the teams that they lost to, they lost to USC literally at the buzzer. Well, USC was in the Elite Eight. They lost to Oregon State in the Pac-12 tournament. Well, Oregon State was in the Elite Eight. They lose to Oregon uh, on the road in a game that they could have won. Well, Oregon was in the Sweet 16. And so, you know, what I will say is, you know, they're, they're not the fluffy underdog that, that people are trying to make them out to be. I don't think that means that I necessarily think they have a great chance against Gonzaga, but I didn't think they had a great chance against, um, you know, against, uh, uh, you know, uh, who did they play last night? I'm blank. Why am I blanking? I had Michigan the Michigan. other night. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so, I mean, uh, I don't know that they're a great matchup for Gonzaga, but I do think they're a really good team. I think they're a really good program. And I think the other big thing, um, you know, Mick Cronin has been a, a kind of a fun Twitter punching bag. And listen, he was on the wrong side of the biggest comeback in the history of, of the NCAA tournament. Eric Musselman was on the right side of it, Nevada-Cincinnati. Um, but he's always been a really good coach. And, and I've been really impressed how he's gotten buy-in from those guys because it is still mostly players that he inherited from the previous staff. And so uh, I'm excited to watch them. Like I said, I, I don't know that they're a great matchup to potentially pull an upset against Gonzaga, but they still are an impressive program overall. I know this is always going to be pretty hypothetical, but let, let's just play the assuming game and say Gonzaga wins the national championship. They, they, they go undefeated for the first time of any college basketball team go undefeated in a long, long, long time. If they do that, where would they rank among some of the best college basketball champions that you can remember? I mean, are they going to be high up there because of the undefeated and the teams they beat? Or, or, or what's just what were they overall going to feel like as far as in their time in history going undefeated, winning a championship compared to all the other teams? Yeah, John, it's, it's really time for me to, I think, start really trying to wrap my head around that because I'll be honest, you know, being – you know, social media is stupid, and like, you know, none of us should spend as much time as we do, but it's our job, whatever. But like, you know, there's a lot of idiots on social media, and so I, I've been so careful to to get too far ahead of the Gonzaga conversation because if they lost in the Elite Eight, it would have been just an avalanche of they're overrated. You always overrate them, Torres. You don't know what you're talking about, and like, yeah, they dominated, but guess what? They lose to UCLA in the Final Four. It's going to be the exact same thing. Um, you know, all I'll say is a couple things. You know, first of all, um, you know, I saw a great tweet from Sam Vecini from The Athletic who really kind of really has a great pulse on the international stuff. And what he said was, you know, the guys coming off their bench are guys that are probably NBA prospects. We just don't know about them because they didn't come through the American high school system. But I, I take it a step further. And, you know, like like my whole thing is, you know, Gonzaga's had good teams in the past that got high seeds, but you really kind of broke down their roster and it's like, yeah, whatever. Um, even the, 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 the year that they made the championship game, like I was at that game, like they had three guys in their starting lineup, if I remember correctly, at least that didn't even sniff the, the NBA. I think they had like one player that was a first round pick on that team. Um, well, this year they got three guys that are probably going to be first round picks that they declare this year to, to Sam's point about the international guys, you know, guys on their bench that we don't know about are NBA prospects that the NBA is aware of. And so to me, that's the biggest thing is like, I don't know where they're going to rank all time, but this isn't like they only went undefeated because they just so happened to play in a lousy conference. Like, no, they, they, they will obviously by that point in theory have beaten UCLA, USC, 
a Baylor, a Houston, a whoever on top of all the teams they beat in the regular season. And so, you know, Monday night I'll try to figure out, you know, who's the best teams that I've ever seen in college basketball. But they, they are, they're in the short, short, short conversation, and we'll see if they can kind of finish, uh, finish things up strong with two more wins. Well, Aaron, as always, man, we love it when you come on and bringing us some knowledge dealing with the transfer portal and college basketball itself, man. We appreciate you hopping on. Enjoy the rest of the Final Four, man. We'll be catching up with you later down the road. No, pleasure is mine, guys. And I know we're going to have a lot of Arkansas, you know, roster turnover to talk about in the coming weeks. Anytime you need me, just holler. Well, appreciate everybody listening in to Locked On Razorbacks podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or on Google Play. You can also get after me on Twitter at BuzzJohnNeighbors for any questions, comments, concerns that you may have. We'll keep it going from there. Same podcast time, same podcast channel tomorrow afternoon. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you then. You are locked on Razorbacks, your daily Arkansas Razorbacks podcast. 